Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And uh, today we're continuing to study the life of Abraham, one of the great Hebrews of Hebrews 11 heroes of faith. We saw that each one of these heroes embodies a vital characteristic that we need to learn from about the life of faith. And we've been looking at Abraham um, the last two times because he exemplifies the obedience of faith. Because each one of us has a special will of God for our life. That we need to, uh, God has certain steps laid out for us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus uh, for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And each one of us has certain key stages or steps in our life that as we're, we need to be obedient to. And as we're obedient, the blessing is released and God moves us to the next step. Of faith, And so we've seen that exemplified in the life of Abraham. And uh, we've seen the first three steps, and today we're going to go on to the fourth step uh, of his life. God led him step by step into his, the special will of God for his life. And, and uh, he had this progression in his life of faith. And his obedience was crucial to the further release of blessing and then to be in position to receive the instructions for the next step. And so God has planned steps of obedience for us too. Romans 4.12 says we are to walk in the steps of faith of our father, Abraham. He's our spiritual father. He's our example. Uh, each step began with God speaking to Abraham. Without a word from God, there can be no faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if God has given you instructions for a step of faith, do it. Or you may not hear anything else from him on the subject. He's waiting on you to obey. Only when he obeyed did God bless him more and take him to the next step. When he disobeyed, when he delayed, God's plan was delayed and no progress was made. Um, but when he took that step, then the blessing was released and things moved forward. And so there's this repeating pattern. He receives the rhema from God. He responds and then there is a release, there's a result, a release of blessing and further instruction. And Hebrews 11, verse 8 onwards, describes the first the steps of Abraham. Each step is shown by the phrase, by faith. Let's look at step one. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he had received as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And that happened in Genesis 12 when he was told to leave his country and his family and enter the promised land. His obedience was incomplete because he didn't leave his family, as God told him. And as a result, he delayed entering the land for a number of years. But finally he did and he separated from his family, including Lot. And then God released the blessing and the next step to him, which is in verse 9 and 10. It says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And here, this is Genesis 13 now, God instructs him not to dwell in one place, in one city, but to walk up and down throughout the promised land, to live in a tent. To, to live as if a foreigner in a strange land because he was not to localize himself but he was to first of all occupy and claim the whole land by faith for his descendants but also 
he had the promise of heaven, and so he was to live as a citizen in heaven, of heaven, living in a foreign land, not to, to be overly attached to this earthly life as if that was his real life and his real destination, but to keep his eyes on the eternal and heavenly reward. God required that of him, to fulfill that, uh, to witness for him and to fulfill God's will for his life. He needed to live that kind of life. And in Genesis 14, he proved his obedience when he tithed to Melchizedek. And when he, uh, well, he, he always was obedient to live in a tent. And he refused to take the spoils of Sodom, and which would probably would, would have meant him um, changing his lifestyle. He proved himself not covetous with the things of this earth. And as a result, God blessed him with the next step, of, the next step in Genesis 15. And um, each time, you say, Abraham was proving himself. And so, before we go on to the next step, in Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 16, um, there's a summary, if you like, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and how they, they, they live their life by faith. Let's just read that. These all, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all live this nomadic life, you see. Uh, following that promise of Abraham and the command. They all died in faith, not having received the promises. That means they received it in, by faith, but they didn't receive the full manifestation of the promises because that was for a future time. But now it describes the faith that was working in their heart. One, having seen them far off. That's where faith begins. You see the promise far off. You see the promise in God's word and you begin to see that that can be true for you. You see it. You come to know the promise. But that's not enough because it's still afar off. It says, then they, it says they were assured of them. They were persuaded of them. You, once you see the promise, once you know about the promise, the next step is to become assured, to become fully persuaded that the promise is true, that it's for you, that God is faithful to his promise. And then the third step, it says that they embraced the, them. They embraced the promise. They believed they received it. They put their trust in the promise and received it. They embraced it. They took it to themselves. It was far off. They became persuaded of them, and then they embraced them. And then finally, having received the promise, they confessed, it says. They, and confessed. They confessed by their words and by their actions, by their lifestyle, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What, in other words, they confessed God's promise to them that their real home was in heaven, that their citizenship was of heaven, and they were strangers on the earth. So they, they believed God's promise of eternal life and their citizenship in heaven and what God had given them also on the earth, and they confessed it by their lifestyle, by walking up and down through the land. Hallelujah. They, they added work, corresponding words and actions to their faith. Verse 14, for those who say such things, declare, this is their confession, they declare plainly that they seek a homeland. In other words, that they're not living for this life now. They are, they are living for that eternal homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they'd gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. Remember, the first step of obedience of Abraham was to leave that past behind. Otherwise, it would always hin if he was always calling it to mind, it would hinder him in his faith. 
But now it says they desire a better. They had a better vision. That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Praise God. They received the word of God. They had the faith that as well as their inheritance on earth, they had an eternal inheritance. And so they never looked back to the past, to the old life. But they were fulfilling God's will step by step as they marched toward their eternal glory. And so now we come to step number three. Step one, uh, again, Abraham had to leave everything. Step two, he had to walk up and down and live in tents in the promised land. Now he proved himself. Now step three, the promise of the seed we saw last time. They were given the promise of Isaac. Even though they were past the age, really, of giving birth, they were given the promise of Isaac through whom the Messiah would come. And we saw that in Genesis 15. And this seed would would bless all of mankind. We saw that they were delayed 13 years by their disobedience because they tried to fulfill it in the flesh. And as the product of the flesh was Ishmael. But eventually God... got them back online in uh, Genesis 17 and they were finally able to believe God in Genesis 18. They were able to believe and receive the power of God. They were able to receive Isaac conceived in Sarah's womb. And uh, this is where they take the next step of faith and believe the promise of the seed and receive. Sarah receives power to conceive. Abraham receives power to multiply. And that Sarah receives power to bring forth that child to birth. Hallelujah. And that's Hebrews 11, verse 11 and 12. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man as good as dead were born as many of the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand by the seashore. And so, through their obedience now, in believing God for this seed, they received great blessing, the birth of Isaac. And in Isaac was also the, the greatest seed the Messiah, praise God, from whom we are descended because we are also the seed of Abraham. If we are in Christ, because Christ is the seed of Abraham, that seed of Abraham that is Christ has multiplied itself across billions of people, praise God. And this is all from the promise of Abraham because they believed God for that seed, praise God. And there's a wonderful picture of us here of how we receive the promise of God, because we too, uh, like Sarah, had to come to the end of themselves. They had to reckon themselves dead as far as producing the result of the promise. And when they came to that point, they received life from the God who gives life to the dead. And they received that power to conceive. And that's how you got saved in the first place. You had to come to the end of trusting yourself of realizing you couldn't save yourself and you came to God and you, and you judged him faithful that when he promised to be your savior, he meant it and you believed and you received Jesus as your savior and your spirit was recreated, it was born again. It became a new creation because you put all your trust in him. Just like Sarah received power to conceive Isaac, 
So you receive power, and now Isaac, your Isaac is born in you. In the New Testament, the Isaac in Galatians 4.28 is a picture of your reborn spirit, your new nature. Ishmael is a picture of the product of the flesh, but Isaac's the product of the spirit. And you have a reborn human spirit. That's your Isaac that you received. But as well as being born again, you have that Isaac in you. Sarah also had to bring Isaac to birth. She had to trust in the power of God to bring Isaac to birth. And that's where we are. If we're born again, we have a reborn spirit. It's the right in, created in righteousness and holiness before God. It's more than a conqueror. Praise God. It's not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. But that has to be brought to birth brought to manifestation in your life. The Bible says the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. That's your Isaac on the inside, but you have to bring it to birth. And Abraham and Sarah had to walk in faith now that Isaac was conceived. They had to believe to give birth. And the Bible says that what they did in that time was that they gave glory to God, knowing that he who promised was also able to perform it. And they had to confess their new identity. Abraham called himself Abraham, father of many nations, before he even had a son. Sarah, likewise, Sarah. And they declared their new name. And you bring your Isaac to birth by declaring your new identity. You call the promise fulfilled in your life. You declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I am risen with Christ. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. And as you declare who you are in Christ, you are bringing forth your Isaac. Your Isaac is coming to birth. And so as well as believing you receive the power to conceive a promise, you also have to speak your new name because that promise, promise changes who you are. It changes your very nature. And you have to declare who you are now. And you have to walk in that reality. And your Isaac too will come to birth. That was the faith of Abraham and Sarah in their third stage of faith. They received the power. They received that seed. But then they also brought that seed to birth. Hallelujah. And they are an example for us. Every step of faith. They had to be obedient. Until they're obedient, the blessing was put on hold. God has blessings for you in the steps of faith in your life. And you must be obedient because the Bible says it's the willing and obedient that uh, eat the good of the land. That certain blessings in your life are tied to your obedience. Well, now there was one final step of faith that God required of Abraham before he could enter into the fullness of the divine blessing. You might think, well, it's all over now. Isaac's born. That's all that's necessary. But the foundation had to be laid for one more thing because it was not yet complete. There was a fourth step of faith. This was the hardest step of all, the hardest test of all. Did he love God more? than anything else? Did he love the blesser more than the blessing? Did he love the giver more than the gift? Would Abraham be willing to offer up his very own son? That thing that God had given him, that, that he loved more than anything else that was the product of his faith, now God would ask him to give that up, to offer it up as a sacrifice. This was the final step of faith. 
Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. And this is the ultimate step of faith, being willing to give it all to God, even the blessing, showing that we love him more than anyone, anything else. You see, his whole life purpose, everything of, in his life, his future destiny, uh, everything God had promised him was bound up with his son Isaac. Without Isaac, everything would fall to dust. And now he's being asked to offer him up as a sacrifice, a burnt offering. But this time, Abraham didn't delay. He obeyed perfectly. He didn't partially obey or anything. He did it. It says, Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey, took two young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. Then he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. No sign of hesitation, because he trusted God. He knew that God was faithful. He knew that God must fulfill his promises through Isaac. You see, now this is a man who has proved himself. And he knew that God had promised, not through anyone else, but through Isaac, all these things. The Messiah would come and all the promises be fulfilled. So if he was ready to obey God, because he knew that even if he killed Isaac, God would have to resurrect him. And he believed that. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we both, we, notice not I, we will come back to you. That proves that he expected to return with Isaac, resurrected from the dead, if necessary. Now, it's one thing to put away your Ishmael, the work of the flesh in your life, but it's another thing to offer up your Isaac to God, the God-given thing that God's given you, that ministry or, or whatever, something God gave you by promise to give that up if he requires it for, to you, for you. Do you love it more than God? Are you willing to lay it down? Sometimes God just wants to see if we're willing to obey him and we're willing to put anything, uh, to do anything for the Lord if he asks us. And Abraham proved himself here. Verse six, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together. And this is a picture of the greatest son of Abraham, Jesus, who also carried the wood for his sacrificial altar, the cross, on his back as he walked to the summit of the very same Mount Moriah by the very same route as Isaac because he started at the temple platform on Mount Moriah at the Antonia Fortress and they did the same walk to the peak of Mount Moriah where Golgotha is today. And it says, they came to the place of which God told him, the peak of the mount. And God and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And Abraham's ultimate step of faith now was to offer up Isaac. And, and this is the promised seed. And now he's ready. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith now. This is his final step of faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He did it. 
And he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Wow. Abraham knew that God would have to raise him from the dead if necessary, because God's promise was bound up with Isaac. And he knew God was faithful to his word. And then it says that he was concluding, he was, Abraham did this, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And so this is ultimate faith, to love and trust God in the face of total loss, of losing, apparently losing everything, trusting God to work it for good, trusting God to resurrect that blessing and that ministry or whatever it is that you're offering up to God. If it is from God, God will resurrect it when you lay it down. God will resurrect it because... It's of God, you see. And so Abraham believed in a, that Isaac would be raised. He received him back resurrected. And so Abraham showed himself willing to sacrifice Isaac. God was satisfied with that offering of Abraham's heart. And so he stopped him killing Isaac. Verse 11 says, The angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or anything, do anything to him. For now I know that you fear a God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And the result of this obedience now, again, was a massive release of multiplied blessings. Watch this. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Because of your obedience, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I'll multiply your seed, as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. You see, and it's when we offer up our beloved Isaac, the result of our faith to God in obedience, you see, demonstrating our love for God, that will re result in a massive release of blessing in our life. You know, in the case of Abraham, you see, because he was willing to give up his seed, Isaac, God fully released, I want you to notice, the release of blessing that he received was all about his seed. Because he gave up his seed, God was released now to give him the greater seed, which was Christ, who, it says, this seed is ultimately speaking of Christ. I'll multiply your seed. You see, Christ, it was that seed, but through his death and resurrection, he is now multiplied in all of us. The seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. That's Christ's victory. In your seed, in Christ, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so because he offered up Isaac, now God would give Abraham and the whole human race the greater seed, Jesus Christ, who would accomplish our salvation and destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. As well as giving Abraham the natural seed, the dust of the, as the dust of the earth, as the sand on the seashore. In fact, God didn't ask Abraham to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. God didn't intend... Uh, uh, God was going to do the same thing. He was going to offer up his seed, Jesus Christ, on the cross. 
And so God didn't intend Abraham to go through with the sacrifice because he would provide himself as the final sacrifice, not Isaac. See, when Isaac asked, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac answered prophetically. Abraham answered, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. This is a prophecy of God's lamb, Jesus Christ, would be God himself offered up on that very same Mount Moriah 2,000 years later. That's why the angel of the Lord, which was Jesus, stopped Abraham killing Isaac because it was only meant to be a picture of the greater sacrifice of God the Father offering up his only son. And so Abraham's act was a necessary act of obedience that laid the foundation for what God, his covenant partner, would do 2,000 years later. And so it provided the foundation. But this time God would go through all the way. Just as Abraham offered up his son on Mount Moriah and received him back from the dead in the same place, so 2,000 years later God the Father offered up his son, Jesus Christ, as the final sacrifice on Mount Moriah and also resurrected him from the dead on Mount Moriah because the garden tomb is also on the Mount Moriah. And God gave a prophetic picture of this sacrifice. It says, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there was a, a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And this ram was accepted as a substitute for Isaac, sacrificed in his place. He's a picture of Christ, sacrificed in our place so that we might live. And God would then prophesy through Abraham that this final sacrifice would be provided on the very same mount. It says, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. What shall be provided? Jehovah Jireh is the God of physical manifestation. What will he provide? Himself as the sacrificial lamb. Where will he provide it? In the mount of the Lord, in Mount Moriah, Jerusalem. Praise God. Moriah means provision, even. And so this is the mount of provision. And the better translation actually is, in this mount, the Lord shall be provided. That's where he'll be give offered up as the final sacrifice. In this mount, the Lord will be provided as the final sacrifice. Praise God. And 2,000 years later, God provided his son to be offered up at Golgotha, just the same place where Abraham offered up Isaac and received him back from the dead. So Jesus rose from the dead, the greater than Isaac, on Mount Moriah. Hallelujah. It was perfectly fulfilled by the death and resurrection of the greatest seed of Abraham. It was Abraham's act of faith that provided the foundation for this ultimate act of God that provided our eternal salvation. Look at the amazing blessing released through Abraham's obedience. He wasn't perfect, but he obeyed God. And if God tells you to do something, obey him and great blessing will be released.